Welcome into Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. I don't like where this is going. This there is are... inspired. I didn't. We, Lennox and I didn't even talk about the music, but you know why he played this, don't you? No. What happened after the uh, Kansas City Chiefs won the AFC Championship game? They handed the mic to Travis Kelsey um, at in the in the Arrowhead Stadium, and he started singing. You got to fight, fight for your right to the party. party. So really good work by you, Ryan Lennox. Thank thank you, sir. He and does when well. he sang it, the whole place went nuts. Yes. Something about the Kelseys when they have a live mic. Magic happens. <laughs> anyway, welcome into Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Sitting next to me, Anthony Sanfilippo. Follow him on Twitter, at Ant Sanfilly. Yeah, that was some good That's good, good stuff by you, Lennox. I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud. It's, you know, touch me right here. Well, I'm glad right somebody's here, proud of him. I'm sure his, uh, his family isn't. Yeah. Uh, across from me, Bob Wankel. Find him on Twitter, at Bob Wankel CB. Is it time to talk about baseball yet? No. Okay. And uh, next to him... <laughs> Kevin Kincaid on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. That's K I N K E A D. Yeah, I was I was told that we were going to talk about Andy Reid for sixty minutes. Is that true? Is that the rundown today? Let's talk about the fact that we want nothing but the worst for Andy Reid, right? <laughs> like a scorn lover. So I wake up this morning. I'm getting I'm getting super hyped because Anthony and I went down to Voorhees. We did three interviews with Flyers players, including Travis Konechny, which is over on Snow the goalie, and. Uh, I see a story go up on the site by Kevin Kincaid, the machine himself, who recently sided with me, by the way, in a uh, grammatical battle, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> and, Don't start uh, that again, Russ. Save that for the Don't end. start Kevin, that again. Kevin uh, put up a thing that I, I think we should probably lead with, which was Andy Reid and his role to the uh, Philadelphia athlete, his relationship. Well, let's uh, actually let's uh, take the temperature of the room. Uh, first off, before we get started, just kind of like establish some ground rules. Well, not ground rules. I think, uh, uh, you know, just get an idea for who is on what side here. So uh, do we have anybody who is anti Andy Reid, who is cheering for Big Red to lose? Yes. Wow. Okay, so we got one. <laughs> wow. I can't tell if you're like just being No, I'm serious. I can't tell if you're being I don't a know that he's ever verbalized this, yeah, but I suspect that Anthony is a San Francisco 49ers fan. It may, may have been. No, okay, let me Joe let Montana me, once smiled at me uh, when may, I was may, watching may him. It may have been when I was younger, stadium. yes. Let's be specific here. Uh, okay, so are you are you cheering are you pulling for Andy Reid to I, lose because of what happened I don't here ca- in Philadelphia in his 14 yes, years? Yes. I don't care who they were playing in the Super Bowl. I would have rooted for the NFC team against Kansas City. Okay, so I'm going to expo- so I'm, not, I'm assuming the other anti, three. So it's not anti Andy, it's just pro NFC? No, it's anti Andy. Oh, it is anti Andy. <laughs> but so I would assume that you two guys then are are, are are you neutral, or do you care one way or uh, I am actively him? rooting for Andy Reid. You're actively rooting wow. for him. How about you? Russ, are you old enough to remember when Andy uh. Reid? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just just to defend why I'm not. Well, I need to get, well, I need to get okay. what he is first. I'm oh. actively indifferent. Okay, so we have one indifferent, I just want one a good pro, Andy Reid and Bob. Russ is indifferent. Bob is pro. You're anti. Yeah. I'm pro. Okay. So I'll give you the floor. No, it's and I don't need a uh, big floor, but it, it kind of relates to, you know, when I was – when Andy first got here, I was covering the Eagles, and I just didn't like the interactions that I had with him. I never, I didn't like him. I didn't like Banner. I didn't like Lori at the time. Mm-hmm. Lori's kind of grown on me a little bit since then, but, um, but those guys, I just didn't like them. I didn't like the way that they treated the media. I didn't like the way that they talked to. They were smarter than the room, and you, you know, we know, and you, it's for you to find out, kind of thing. I just, 
was really turned off by that, and it, I don't think it ever changed with Andy. I don't think I think he's great with his players, and I think his players love him, and I think that that's a thing, and that's credit to him because he's had some success with his. So team. he's very protective of them, right? Yeah. But I hated how he talked to me. To the media. Let me ask specifically. you, and I think that that's a valid point. If you were down there and and those were your interactions with him, I mean, you can't help but feel the right. way you feel because of how he talks to you. But what do you think is a, a greater representation of who he is as a human being the way that his players feel about him the way that the people that interact with him within the organization or the way that you know you trying to poke around and get a story might interact i also don't think he's a great coach i think he's a good coach i don't think he's a great coach so i don't have any problem with people who dislike andy for reasons that you just stated like if you didn't like him how he spoke to the media because you thought he was a little smug especially towards the end there, too, when he was starting to take over, like, kind of the team and had all the say in yes. player personnel and stuff like that and was kind of looking at everybody else, like, I know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. I can understand that. You know, I can understand if you had an interaction with Andy Reid where, like, you know, you took your little kid up to him at Lehigh and he refused to, to sign your uh, mini football or something, you know, or, uh, you know, he stiffed you on a tip somewhere at the at the burger joint or at North Bowl or something like that. That'd be like his that. backup you know, running back, actually. Well, that would be Shady McCoy, right? That's another story. But uh, I, I think specifically what I wrote the column for, like who I was directing it to, the name of the column this morning was Andy Reid is our ex-girlfriend and we should want the best for him. Uh, is I don't I don't get the leap between people who say, uh, well, you know, he had 14 years here and we never won the big one and he choked in big games and he – threw the ball 67 times and he only ran the ball six times. And, uh, you know, I, I always remember Tampa Bay and Carolina and blah, blah, blah. Okay. All right. Well, so then connect for me. What, what, what is the logical leap from that to wanting to see him lose elsewhere? Like, I don't see, I don't really see how those are connected. Like you can feel disappointed and annoyed about the stuff that happened here. And the fact that he couldn't win the big one here, but I don't know why now, eight years after he's he's his coaching tenure finished here, it's been almost a decade since he's been here. Why would you want to see? Why would you actively root for him to fail, especially especially after the Eagles won a ring? Like that was supposed to kind of like get people to lighten up a little bit and say, "Hey, we finally got over the hump." And ironically, we did it with an Andy Reid disciple and a quarterback that he convinced to come out of retire or to not retire. The only reason that I'm I'm not all in on the hate, uh, it has nothing to do with his time as the coach here. I, I look at a trio of three players that he has coached or acquired and has had little to nothing to say about in Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and LaShawn McCoy, all of whom have... And blem- Frank Grant. All of whom have blemishes on their record. Clark. With, with Clark, Clark. Frank Clark. With domestic abuse, abuse of women. Mm-hmm. And in the case of, it was Hill, right? A- abuse of a three-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And so the dad in me is very sensitive to this. And I, I usually don't care all that much. If, if, there's, if there's a guy who gets suspended by the league and the coach or the team come out and, and they are emphatic in, in their disapproval or disapproval of, of what's been presented, then fine. In Andy's case... For better or worse, and I would argue for worse, he almost seems to actively recruit these kinds of players or tries to to promote them or push them to play. And and LaShawn McCoy is like one that he actively went out and got. Like he got behind getting LaShawn McCoy. And there were 
numerous things against him in his past, specifically with his treatment of women. You cheer for Michael Vick when he was here? I'm going to make the really uncomfortable leap here that dogs and humans are not the same. Did you cheer for, well, I'll give you another one. Uh, did you cheer for Nigel Bradham last year, this year? I mean, he punched a guy in the face. A guy? He probably didn't. He punched a guy in the face? <laughs> I don't know how old the guy is. I think it, it draws to a larger I, question, and the larger question being, don't these guys, like across the league, how much do we not know? How much doesn't come out? Like, where do we draw sure. our lines of morality? And yeah, what yeah. you say makes a lot of sense. It's a fair question to bring up. But I just, when I think you look across the entire landscape of the NFL, you could go up and down a roster and say, not a good guy here, not a good guy there. And and so sure. am I going to hold that against the head coach? Am I going to hold that against the head coach, period? Well, it's like I, I and, you know, again, like what I was railing against this morning and in the column and on the site and on Twitter and whatever nonstop, probably to the point where people were sick of it. But it was it was not stuff that you guys were bringing up. It was not like, you know, how do you feel about Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and uh, Pac-Man Jones and Chris Henry? No, those he didn't use his timeouts properly. Yeah, it's like people saying, one. well, you know, he blew the big one. He didn't know how to use his timeouts and blah, blah, blah and stuff like that. And like, therefore, you know, we want to continue to see him suffer or we want to see. Kansas City fans feel the way that we feel. That is the biggest BS explanation I've ever heard in my entire life. Because and that like, part's fair. That is, the defini- that is the definition of what it means to be a hater. What it means specifically to be a hater is that you can't be happy for somebody else's success. That's why I use the ex-girlfriend thing. Because it's like if you broke up with somebody that you were in a relationship that hopefully you probably cared about when you were in the relationship, I would hope that you would want to see them do well when you they exit the relationship. I mean, do you guys have ex-girlfriends from eight years ago that you want to see fail <laughs> in their so as I'm doing now. well, it's fine. <laughs> that is such a like. But that's crappy, what it is. That's such like, a crappy human way of doing things. It's just like we we think about think about the logic. Andy Reid didn't win. Make this logical leap for me. Andy Reid didn't win the big one while he was in Philadelphia, and he called too many passes. And uh, you know, I didn't like uh, clock you know, the, his clock management. Therefore. I want to see him continue to lose for the rest of his life. Okay, so, so what, Anthony's the the negative one. Well, no, I, well, I, okay, I, well, let me anti, offer this. Anti Andy, so okay. Let me offer this. Uh, Russ gave the serious. Um, Kevin gave the ridiculous. What if it's something like this? What if it's just people want to see? You know, they enjoy Schadenfreude, right? Sure. Good German word. Okay, you like that? That's why I looked at you to make yeah, sure no, it was <laughs> pronounced properly. Yeah. Um, but to, no, they just they just take pleasure in the fact that. Some things have always been bad, and they get to enjoy it that way. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I didn't want to see the Cubs win the World Series in 2016. I didn't want the of Red Sox not. to win the World Series in 2004 because I enjoyed the fact that there was this century-long streak that was traditionally, you know, watching these people suffer th- with their teams. Yeah, but Joe Madden didn't give 14 years to the Phillies no, yeah. before, so the, before yeah, understood. Like, not, he was, he was one of ours. There was a point when I was 28 years old where I sat there when when Andy Reid was let go, and I'm sitting here thinking, Jesus, Andy Reid has been the coach here for half of my lifetime. Yeah, and 14 years. I was 28. I was like, okay, so right. regardless of what he did here, I still like would like to see him do. It. <laughs> but but the fact is, <laughs> the, well, the, the fact stop. is, he's gone <laughs> and he's never won. <laughs> so maybe you just like the fact that he's never won, and you want to see I him guess, continue to not win. Like a cynical a hole. But you know what? Yes, yes, that's fine. Is that what we are? That's I'm fun. like on the other side of it where people say, like, I don't want him to win because he cost them in the 02 championship game, the 03 championship game, yeah, and yeah. 08 in yeah. Arizona. But I look at it and I go, the formative years of my life was the end 
of the Rich Cotite era and then Ray Rhodes. Yes. And there were a couple <laughs> decent years at Ray Rhodes, but yeah. really, you said it. Half of your life at one point was occupied by Andy Reid's tenure with the Eagles, and that was the same for me. Yeah. I think that Andy Reid was in eighth grade. I was I was in eighth grade when Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't that young. He's been around a long time. Not was that he long. in eighth grade when he did that? But uh, I was in eighth grade. Punk pass. Punk He was in college. But I was in eighth grade when he took over, and you know. Really going through high school, going through college into my early adult years, like he was the Eagles head coach and he made them very successful. He made them relevant. And for, yeah. for what you want to say against him and how they came up short in big games, he helped build those teams to consistently put them on the brink year after year. And I think you have to credit him for that. No, you do. I think, and like, you, know, you can probably speak to this better since you're a little bit older than the rest of us. But, you know, there were days where the Eagles, you know, before Andy Reid, you're wondering if the game was going to be on TV because they were going to sell all the tickets and it was going to get blacked it, out. It was a mess. Yeah. It was a me- The last year, my, the first year I covered the Eagles was Ray Rhodes' last year. So that was 1998. So they were three and thir- they were three and 13. Yeah. That was when the whole Rodney Pete got mad at me because uh, I wrote I said he wouldn't do an interview with me because they were he had to finish a Domino's game in the locker room they had Domino's tables yeah I, in I the locker room and I, I remember imagine. they brought they put me on on the radio and talking about it and then they the Eagles got rid of the Domino's tables and so like they were the Eagles pe- players were mad at me forever because I went on the radio talking about it but um, yeah it was it was bad I mean it was that last season I mean there were games down there and I had never seen Eagles games with empty seats. Yeah. Even some yeah. empty seats. They, every Eagles game I had ever been to prior to that year was a sellout. Mm-hmm. And so to be there and see that people didn't care about football in Philadelphia was like, this has this has dropped to a depth. It's hard to believe now <laughs> that it ever was like that, but yeah. it was. And my dad would talk about that all the it was time. Awful. He used to bitch about, you know, Richie Kotite and Ray Rhodes and all this stuff all the time, you know? So it's like, I think when you look at it like today, you know, the ultimate thing is like, wouldn't the ultimate like bow on top of the story f- to be for Andy Reid to leave Philadelphia? Doug Peterson comes here, Nick Foles comes here, the Eagles win their ring, and then Andy finally gets his ring like two years later, two or three years later. Everybody gets their ring. You know, everybody's happy, right? Is that not what we're trying to do? Who Are cares? we all cynical? Uh, you nobody cares. You know that their 14, Super Bowl changed years, everything, though. though. Like if if the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl two years ago, I no, I don't think people I are would, probably sitting here saying, "Well, I don't want him to I don't win, win one I before would, we yeah, do." Yeah. I don't know that I would feel the way that I do about yeah. it. And know? I don't love like I'm not like in love with Andy Reid. It's not like I'm like, oh, he's my favorite coach of all time. I'm just I get just as annoyed thinking about you know Joe Juravicious running down the field for 72 yards as everybody else does. But it's like. It just seems so petty and like cynical and like such a hater mentality to me for some reason. Like if you're going to outline the reasons that Ant and Russ were talking about earlier, that's one thing. But you know, to simply say like, well, you know, he couldn't win the big one here, therefore I don't want to see him see him uh, win it ever again. That just seems like I, I, I don't. The people know. who are still upset about a lot of that, like they they have one person to look at. It's Donovan McNabb. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and we're no, going to spend like, the next 30 minutes talking no, about that. Did he, yeah. did he tweet out, God, that's no. my coach or something? Yeah, yeah something yesterday. Like did he yeah. cry? Did he have sunglasses on? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, just, but just to like to, to put a bow on that, like very specifically, that's all I'm talking about. I just, I don't, I don't understand the logical leap there, but you know, I, I'm not surprised that, that a lot of people feel that way. I, I certainly don't think it's a majority of Eagles fans, definitely a minority, but it's definitely, uh, there's probably more than people think. But. Are you guys happy with the way that the, championship games played out like are you are you happy with the kansas city san francisco super bowl because that seemed like it would have been the 
the best one if you can I think it's it the yourself. best game. The Packers are, you know, and I think that was revealed last night, and it's easy to say it now, but at no point throughout the regular season, they had to be one of the worst 13-win teams I, I I've ever seen. I said the same thing yesterday. And yeah. I do believe that they would have beaten the Eagles had the Eagles gotten by the Seahawks, but, I, you know, these teams are on a different tier. You know, they are not even in the same realm as, as Kansas City and San Francisco, and and yeah. that's just that's my take. And, and I think it. I think we we were sitting here talking about it after the Saint uh, the Forty Nineers Saints game. It was forty eight forty six. I think I you know, I think I remember saying to you guys, and you all agreed with me, that team's on another level. Yeah. That they can play any kind of game that you want. They can win forty eight forty six. They can win twenty to seventeen. That's a defensive struggle, and they can win a game where they throw six passes, right? Yeah. Like yes, like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so eight. it's a whole that's a whole nother level, San Francisco, uh, this season. And and the Chiefs may not have been the best team in the AFC. Baltimore may have been better, but Baltimore got upset. So the next best team is Kansas City. So if it couldn't be Baltimore, San Francisco, the two the next best matchup is probably San Francisco, Kansas well, City. They probably could have. I mean, they could have really, really sold. And marketed an Aaron Rodgers versus sure. Pat Mahomes thing, you know. But State, uh, State Farm. Kind of, yeah. I feel like yeah, we've been fortunate. Bowl, right? I feel like we've been fortunate the last ten years. Let's say we've gotten really good quality championship level games, like whether they be conference championship games, Super Bowls at the college level, same thing. The World Series, we've had some. Yeah, you know, maybe I don't know NBA. Have we gotten really good NBA finals? I mean, within reason. I mean, I feel like we've had some epic championship level games, and we didn't get them. At least in the second game yesterday. I mean, that was that was weak. And I, I got to be honest with you, I thought San Francisco would win the game. I was surprised at how non-competitive it was. I thought, I thought the Green Bay would at least have a little something for him. And, and Aaron Rodgers didn't help. You know, I know, I know that they're extremely limited. But Aaron Rodgers was not great yesterday. You know, it wasn't I, like I think that's their coach. You think? So I, you th- I think Rodgers had a down year, and I don't think it was because he he's losing it at age thirty six. I think it's because of the scheme that they try to run, and I don't think it, it favors Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that he performs well under Matt LaFleur. Anthony Sanfilippo believes that Mike McCarthy was the reason Aaron Rodgers was a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't And the, the Eagles are screwed now that he's the coach of the Dallas that, like, Mike McCarthy didn't, do it, didn't know how to use him correctly or well, that their offense was stale or whatever. It I mean, was stale. I think it got stale. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. hit a moment in the, uh, the Kansas City-Tennessee game where you felt yourself rooting – for Tennessee, no, Be- really? yes, the whole time. Really? I did not. <laughs> no, see, but I, you know I, what I was thinking, which was kind of ironic, was that Mike Vrabel was on the Patriots team that beat the Eagles in the in the Super Bowl. And I'm the same here thing. I was sitting there watching, with flapping my, his wings. With my dad, I remember I'm like, that very wouldn't this well. be the most ironic thing ever if Andy gets knocked out of another NFC Championship game by a dude who played in the <laughs> Super Bowl and now is a decide is now coming off the coaching tree 19 or 15 years later or whatever it is. Like I was happy to see Tennessee go up early in that game because I didn't think that there was ever going to be a scenario where Kansas City gets out to a big lead and Tennessee yeah. fights their way back. So when they got up early, I was like, "Hey, you know what? We're going to have a competitive fourth quarter, you know, everything on the line. We'll see if Pat Mahomes can step up. I know that he had the seven straight touchdown drives the week before, but like are we going to finally get that iconic moment in his career? I say finally as if he's been in the league for 15 years. Yeah, but, right. like, the idea of him being able to deliver in the clutch, and man, it's amazing how this Kansas City team can look totally lost and then out of nowhere flip the switch. And when they do, it's all over. And that'll be, I think, the most interesting thing when we talk about the San Francisco game. And we'll obviously, like, do more breakdown of it next week as we lead up to the big game. But, like... You, you're going to go up against a team that can theoretically shut you down on defense and can also keep pace with you on offense. Like, this really should – it's set up to be an excellent It should be game. a good game. And 
I think selfishly I rooted for Kansas. Well, first of all, I had Kansas City <clears throat> with the points and also, you know, I laid the points with Kansas City yesterday. Uh, what was your yeah. win percentage this week? Uh, it was just two and two. Okay. Couldn't, oh. couldn't quite. It's uh, just spinning my <laughs> spinning my wheels all weekend. <laughs> spinning my wheels. Uh, well, but no, I mean, like, here's my thing. They're more aesthetically pleasing. They, they make for a better, in theory, they make yeah. for a better Super Bowl. And I love a good underdog story. But, like, watching Derrick Henry ram the ball into the line 60 times a game, like, I'm good on that. Speaking of well, underdogs. And Ryan Tannehill stinks. Speaking of underdog stories, are you surprised by the line? No. It's actually the exact line that I thought it would be uh, going into the weekend. Now, the way that the game played out last night in San Francisco, I thought may alter it where where San Francisco opened as a short favor. That's but what I thought. I, I actually did think going in that, that Kansas City was going to be favored in the game, and I think the reason why is because it comes down to people want to bet on, on who they perceive to be the better quarterback, what they perceive to be the better offense, and you said it. San Francisco is more than capable of dropping 35 points and, and winning games that way. But I think that people look at this and they go, well, you know, I still don't know about Jimmy Garoppolo. I watched him complete 17 of 27 passes in the playoffs, 207 yards, a pick, and a touchdown. Eh. And then they watch Pat Mahomes, you know, just light it up and, and throw for eight touchdowns in two games and 600-plus and yards. And I think betters want to side with that. And I think they want to side with the narrative of Andy Reid. And so I think there's just a slight lean with Kansas City early on, and that's well, does, why. Doesn't it? I mean, isn't the blueprint of what Tennessee was, was trying to do similar to what San Fran's going to want to do anyway? I mean, if Kansas City, but was they able have to, that other a, gear and they have a defense that can yeah. support it too. I they mean, do, I guess. Um, you know, every, it felt like every time I looked up watching that game yesterday, I felt like Mahomes was moving either left or moving right. You know, and he just he killed him on on the feet. You know, it wasn't even necessarily throwing. I mean, he ran for fifty six yards or something like that. I think it was just. They're flushing them from the pocket. Yeah, the one, the one difference I think with San Francisco compared to what Tennessee did yesterday is that I mean, yeah, Tennessee's whole game is Derrick Henry, yeah. and while uh, Rashi, uh, Mostert had a, an incredible game, like if the 49ers needed to throw the ball, at least they have George Kittle, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders, Sanders, Debo Samuel. They yes. got guys who can catch the ball. Whereas, what does Tennessee really have? Skill, uh, skill player wise, a bunch of guys. You know, yeah. that's I think that's yeah. that's the difference. So if the 49ers do need to throw it, they have guys who can make plays. It's true. They can, you you feel like if if Kansas City takes them out of that element, that they can shift into something different, yeah. something different, better than Tennessee. I've heard early comparisons to Tennessee between Tennessee and and San Francisco, and you just go to the other side of the ball though. I mean, yeah. San Francisco is allowing 173.8 yards passing per game yeah. this season, including the postseason, whereas. Tennessee, I know that when you look at a team that's like ground and pound, they'll, they have a good defense. Yeah. Rabel was a defensive player. Their pass defense this year was atrocious. It was yeah. bottom third in the league. So, I mean, they just don't have the ability to make defensive plays the way that San Francisco can. You look at what Bosa does, the way that that line can dominate. When you have D4 Bosa on the field together – it's a different story, yeah. and uh, it's going to be an interesting game. It, it's not just those guys. You, you got Buckner, and you yeah. got and you got. Uh, and, and you saying that I was surprised guy. that that San Francisco wasn't the favorite. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, they are the more complete team. I mean, San Francisco is the more complete team. I'm not telling you that I think they're going to win the game, but I mean, I, I isn't get, it funny how like we a few weeks before the regular, like as we were going down the end of the regular season, we were talking about how San Francisco's defense had faltered a few times. Well, they were and hurt. How, and how if, if you managed to get a young Jimmy Garoppolo on the road, on the in, road the, in, yeah. in, the, in the wild card round, it was possible for the yeah. Eagles to beat them. And now you look at the way that things have unfolded in the, I don't know, six or so weeks since, and all of a sudden, instead of it being this like quasi-arguably beatable team at home, just how exceptional they've been. I mean, when you think about their three losses this year, Two of them were in overtime, and one was in the, the last play of regulation. 
I mean, I, that's that's some that's it. That's all they've lost. I got to be honest. Like I'm I'm stunned that Pat Mahomes is is as good as he is in the NFL now. Um, because I, I watched a lot of him in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, since since West Virginia played against him every year, and like Texas Tech was not. They really weren't that great when he was there. I mean, they were like seven and six. They were like four and eight, and then they were like seven and six. And and, and when you were looking at him, and then when he was coming out of college, the people were, he just looked like another. There are a lot of people that were not in love with that pick. No, when, he looked when like Kansas he, City made it. He was he looked like just another Big Twelve quarterback who threw for like a bazillion yards. You know, like a kind of like a Mason Rudolph or like a uh, like a Landry Jones. Even I know like Landry Jones. I think ended up throwing. I think he has, still has the Big Twelve record. I think he has like sixteen thousand passing yards or something in the Big Twelve. But you know, this Texas Tech guys come out of there, especially in the in the Leach years before Cliff Kingsbury came in. And it was just you know pass 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 pass, and they didn't really have a ton of a running game. But he he didn't he didn't look any. There's nothing that you would see from him in college and say, oh, he look he looks like he's going to be different than a, a Todd. Than Graham like Harrell, a, a, a Graham <laughs> Harrell, offensive yes. coordinator <laughs> that was not to be. Yeah, yeah. How about that? I'm, um, I'm over here like fist bumping because I didn't know if we were going to get a setup for this, but like as the playoffs were getting set and people were talking about potential matchup between the Ravens, Lamar Jackson and the chiefs with Pat Mahomes, Anthony and I one night were sitting up a press row at flyers game and Anthony drops this. Like I I thought it was a flaming hot take where he said that Lamar Jackson might be the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. And I think that that's the end of the scorcher. And I kind of turn away to like, let that sink in. And he goes, I think Pat Mahomes is too. Well, let me here. Let me qualify it this way. It's the guy that defended Carson Wentz all year, by the way. Yeah, let me def, let me throw it to you this way. <laughs> I, I I stand by the Lamar Jackson thing. I think Lamar Jackson has it will be figured out in a in real short order. I think Lamar Jackson is no better than Colin Kaepernick long term. Ultimately, I think that's what he is. Um, Mahomes is a good quarterback. I'm not trying to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes. He's a really good quarterback. Is he the best quarterback in the NFL right now? No. No, he's not. He's, he's just not. I, I still stand by the fact, and I, it's funny that I made fun of it earlier, but I still say that if I had to have one game my life on the line, what quarterback am I asking the quarterback my team is Aaron Rodgers? I don't know, man. These takes are too hot for me. I didn't even have a, res- a well, response. Well, it's, it's not a bad take. I think he's a good quarterback. <laughs> no, no, I, I, it's not a bad take. It's just re- with no, recency I'm bias, it's a good hard, take. hard for me to like, – no, no. I literally just watched I, him not play very well. No, yes, I he- I hear you, and, and so but my, I guess where I say that I think he's overrated, and it's it's a it's how you qualify it. I think people turn him into this tremendous, the best quarterback in the game. He hasn't won anything, and his playoff victories have been against Buffalo, Houston, and Tennessee. I mean, he hasn't really won a big game against a really good team. He goes out and wins the Super Bowl. Uh, it's not like he's had a ton of opportunities. No, he went to New right. England this year, no. one on the road. No, I the, get it. I get it. Like, but, like, look, he win, he wins the Super Bowl against San Francisco. I say, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is the best quarterback. But, I mean, until he does, until I can't sit there and say somebody is the best at something until they do something I to prove to I honestly give him a little bit best. of credit, and I know that you won't because this is the stance that you're taking, but I give him credit for how he played against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game last year. He had a good year. game last you know, year. Yeah, a, he did. Very well, good we didn't defense. Even get to, and to, to the point of wanting to see whether somebody is able to do it or not, we didn't even get to see him in overtime. That yeah, game. So it's true. like, well, there's a chance to build your legacy. No, yeah. wait, you can't get on the field. You know, it's the most outrageous thing there is. D Ford's penalty. Do we have to go to yeah, a break? We do. Yeah, let's, do? Let's, okay, let's right. go to a break. Right. When we come back, there's a lot to break down. I want to read the Raheem Mostert. In this, this city, 
there are things to talk about with this city. Not the football team necessarily, but this city. Phillies baseball. No. Maybe the Sixers. Maybe Phillies baseball. We'll get to it on the other side. If you want to give us a call, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hey, I'm Russ Joy. And I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. For the best coverage of the Philadelphia Flyers, check out Snow the Goalie. Where this week, we had an exclusive sit-down with Flyers All-Star, Travis Konechny. Head on over, listen to it, subscribe to Snow the Goalie over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And down the road, we'll have more players and more discussion about your favorite team, the Philadelphia Flyers. And the big game is upon us. We are down to the final two teams. There is so little time left in the season, so don't miss out. Get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on over the next two weeks, DraftKings has great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, they have it all. And on the big game, bet on any star player to score the first TD of the game with 10 to 1 odds. It doesn't get better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss this. It's a call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. That's CROSSINGBROAD. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget that Code is crossing broad, and you can get your sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, talk about the big game. You know, it's bigger than the big game. Big Bet Bob's pick. Big Bet Bob, you've uh, gone down a uh, quasi-degenerate rabbit hole about uh, some big bet, big game bets, and some of the props that are around the big game, which I think we have broken down somewhere on a uh, page, a Super Bowl page over on CrossingBroad.com. But what one do you want to give us uh, this week? Oh, well, you know, uh, here's the thing. I spent a lot of time today uh, doing some research about the coin toss, the, the big game coin toss. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When, when you wake up in the morning yeah. and you look in the mirror. I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> now I enthusiastically took on the task of looking at the big game coin toss. I broke down some history here. And, uh, you know, uh, it, right now. Tails has been on a little bit of a run, a five-year run, the longest run ever for Tails in the in, in the in the big game. Ooh. I think that that trend is bucked this year. I'm taking heads. That's my pick minus one hundred three. I got heads. Man, on the coin toss. How can wait a second? How can it be one hundred three? Shouldn't it be like even? Yeah, well, you know. I mean, it's supposed to be a fifty-fifty thing. The house has to make cute. a you know. The house has to get a little taste. Do you no. think? Let me ask you this, Bob. Do you think that it's possible that the t- that tails has gone on such a run because they use a commemorative? It's actually coin. it's been five of the last. It's been five of the last six years. Okay, tails that's fine. Gone. But they use that commemorative coin, 
And because of that, maybe it's slightly weighted differently than, <laughs> hey, hey, than that, your typical quarter or half dollar. Would that be? may be true. One thing that actually is super strange, though, is five straight years now, the winner of the coin toss has gone on to lose the game, Whoa. which is pretty interesting. And you can actually get that prop. Will the team that wins the coin toss go on to win the game? You can get it with DraftKings. So that's something to keep in mind. It actually has pretty good payout. It's like plus 255 on the Chiefs to win the toss and the game. And uh, I think it's 315 on the Niners to win the toss and the game. Yeah, win we, the toss and the game. And the game. Wow. Three fifteen plus three fifteen. Well, that's thanks. A, that's a good one. Thanks, actually. Big Bet Bob. That's, you got it. That's really great. Go ahead. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that's been going on in the sports world that we can talk about. This is information you don't get anywhere else. What in the world <laughs> is that? Oh, what? Lennox what? is. What are you doing in there, oh. Lennox? I was sending a message. <laughs> was that your Morse code on the trash can? <laughs> is a slider oh, coming? A trash can. Yeah. 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 Oh. oh. He's wearing and he's wearing orange and blue. And he's wearing a wire. An orange t-shirt and a blue a hat. Buzzer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that thing's gotten out of control. I believe the buzzer story, by buzzer the way. Buzzergate? I do, too. I do. I think it's real. If they could give me like some some proof of that, some hard evidence of that, I'm taking away the championship. So what, do you think, so Rob, after do you think the... Manfred has the guts to do it? Nope. No. Yeah. But I would. I agree with Bob. I would take it away too. So where does that uh, storyline currently stand as of one twenty twenty? I think that Major League Baseball is just holding its breath and saying, please go away. Yes. You yep. know, and, and we all kind of had an uproar. And I don't think it's going to progress any further if there's no other admission or if nobody dimes them out or there's no picture. There's got to be more to it because otherwise they're going to say this is an unsubstantiated claim. There's really nothing to investigate here. We already did an investigation. We already handled it the way that we were supposed to. It's like double jeopardy. You know there's a guy right now, former player, former coach, former bat boy who's in talks right now with multiple publishing companies about the tell-all <laughs> book. It has to happen, right? Like, is that why we haven't heard anything further? Because the, bu the Buzzergate thing is interesting insofar as, like, all right, you had the video of, of Altuve walking off. Uh, it gave better context. <laughs> Don't to, rip my shirt, yeah. please. <laughs> uh, yeah, interestingly enough, though, he the one video they were breaking down, somebody said it, it looked like he was saying, um, I have a piece on or something like that. Yeah. But in Spanish, it could have been like, no la camisa or something like that, right? Not the shirt, right? Yeah, something like and that. And so it's... <laughs> Listen, my my multilingual <laughs> brain was yeah. going a lot of different off. ways. This you know, languages. So, yeah. No, but but here's like I, I guess this is where I was at with it. KBM. We got to, <laughs> when when Brian Colangelo's wife was running burner accounts. Sixers Twitter broke the case in what forty eight hours. In the immediate aftermath of Buzzergate, like there were people breaking down not only that video but like pictures of Altuve where it looked like there might have been a bulge under the shirt that could have been where the buzzer was. And then the the video of the interview with Reddick after the game, where he's very clearly wearing a wire, and there's very clearly something that's it's adhering to his skin. it was confetti, though. Like, yeah. It was confetti. And, like, that's what and the wire was part of the confetti. Yeah. That's the problem, though, is that there were some of these conspiracy theories that were kind of popping out there. People were throwing out pictures, and then they were being clearly debunked, and I think that that kind of undermines the, the Twitter investigation. Yeah. So I do agree with you, though, Anthony. I actually do think there's some truth to it. I think it probably did happen, and if they can give me some hard evidence that it did, that's it. I, you know who Take I it away. You know who I think will get, we'll get it? I think John Boy will get it. Jimmy yeah. O'Brien, who does John Boy Media, 
on YouTube. He does those baseball breakdowns. Yeah, he's the guy that like, breaks Wait, down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, okay. so he's, he's the, the one. Yeah. He's arguments. really good. No, no, no. Yeah. He's excellent. He's he the one who did the actual video of the trash can sounds, and it got sent to the MLB offices. Like they didn't have that. Yeah. Why? So they had heard about this in 2017. And did nothing about it then, Major League Baseball. But it wasn't until they got his video breakdown. Well, I, I guess the story was broken by The Athletic. And then his video breakdown. That's what prompted the hardcore investigation. So he went on a show in New York uh, the other day and said that he's had five different Major League sources come to him with information about the buzzers. And he's going to try and do what he can with it and see if he can't unearth something. And if he can, and if he does... You know, with that, this is John John Boy with an M. Yeah, J O M B O Y, not John Boy from the Waltons. <laughs> no, it's John. My mom used to watch I, the, the fact that you know the Waltons. Like the Waltons was, I was a kid when the Waltons was on. I didn't you even watch TV when you were a kid. Yeah, not listen, it. like when you grow up on the Berks County Montgomery County border, <laughs> and your mom uh, d makes the house into like a pseudo country store, and you got baskets and Ameri rustic Americana everywhere. You watch yep. the Waltons and you listen to John Denver. That's, that's what right. switching. That's uh, Wow. Rocky Mountain wow. High, man. So do you want to, uh, you know, another take that I saw floating around on, well, it wasn't really like a take, it was just kind of reactionary, it was uh, after Raheem Mostert put up, what, 229 and four touchdowns on Sunday? Yep. People pointing out that the Eagles cut him uh, back in 2015, trying to do a little bit of uh, myopic relitigation, uh, which I just came up with that term right now. Sounds like something Russ would say. Yeah, uh, it's well, not as catchy as institutional it, arrogance. Institutional <laughs> arrogance with rush joy. Um, is that like when I become uh, what was his name? Uh, is it Alex Jones? Right? Was he the Infowars guy? I could just yeah. like yell into a microphone as <laughs> institutional arrogance. Yeah. Uh, yeah good. Well, you should maybe uh, this Mostert maybe story is the stupidest story. Of it's the year. It's early, but this is the dumbest story. If anybody is even remotely upset about this, like the Eagles missed their chance with Raheem Mostert. Yeah. You got to. So did six other teams. Number one. Well, the number yourself. one reason you shouldn't really worry about what happened with Raheem Mostert in 2015 is because the Eagles won the Super Bowl two years later. Well, and it was also a different coach. It's a different coach. <laughs> and <laughs> and like, general like, manager. Who are we angry it's at? The guy that we were already yeah. angry at? Howie, Howie Damn Roseman. you, Chip. Howie Roseman at that point was uh, in a closet. Was yeah. banished yeah. to like storage closet B, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, told, here's the mop and the bucket. Here, clean the floors here. That's what he was doing at the time. But, I mean, look, to, to go back to what it was specifically at that point, you remember they had just, they just brought in DeMarco Murray. They had Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles. And the, the season before that, they traded for Kenyon Barner with the seventh-round pick. He was an Oregon dude, played for Chip in Oregon. So, of course, they were going to keep him. But he could also double as a specialist, too, if, right. if Sproles wasn't able to return. But Sproles returned punts that year. Barner returned some kicks. But, but, but when you, it was the same thing. This is the same thing as, like, a Mac Hollins, Greg Ward thing. Because if you have to get to RB4 or wide receiver four, then you're probably screwed anyway. You know, So they right. put Mac Hollins on there as wide receiver four, knowing that he wasn't going to catch a lot of passes, but that he was going to be a special teams guy. So for Mostert to have a good preseason, Barner had a good preseason that year too. You know, he had like a 92-yard punt return for a touchdown, and he had like 30 yards and a touchdown in that first game. I think it was against the Colts. So, I mean, to go relitigate that based on the fact that, like, Guy was an undrafted free agent out of Purdue. Yeah, like the Jets lost three running backs. They were like, hey, you're up. No, wait, never mind. And that then they went more... out and they signed someone else. Yeah. And you know what else yeah. is interesting about it? Like Raheem Mostert had carries for the 49ers last season. They went yeah. out and spent yeah, yeah, yeah. $10 million this year on Tevin Coleman. They went now, out and got Coleman. Obviously, that's a complimentary piece. 
you can mix and match running backs. We get that. But, I mean, if they loved Raheem Mostert and they knew that they were looking at this absolute stud that was going to be on this, that was going to have a breakout season and deliver a legendary performance in the NFC Championship game, I don't know that they would have handed out $10 million to Tevin Coleman. No, this and his agent, either. his agent, Mostert's agent, came out today on Twitter and he said, all these Eagles fans who were like yelling, yelling at me and saying the Eagles should have kept him or whatever, he said, they're not mad. He said, straight up, they're not mad at the Eagles. Because <laughs> he said, Mostert was, was raw and he had to, yet to prove himself. He said he was more annoyed with the Jets and the Browns and the Ravens and who's the other one? The Bears. There's yeah. six of them. I can't even remember. I think what Miami is Miami well, was yeah. another one too. So, I mean, guys slip through the cracks all the yeah, time. Yeah, like just I because mean, somebody does something good doesn't mean that like you missed out. Like Dennis Kelly yesterday. Oh, Dennis. Oh, Kelly, you know, yeah, yeah, he had he more postseason yeah. touchdowns and Doriel Green Beckham. Well, like, it's not. It's not too like, different on, from the Andy Reid thing. I mean, like it worked out for Talking both guys. And yeah, Mostert gets to play for a ring in two weeks, and the Eagles won a ring, and they have Miles Sanders now. It's fine. So guess what? Every, like. Everybody you know, wins. People are like arguing <laughs> yeah, about in the first place. It's like everybody has something positive. So yeah, yeah I don't, I don't see there being an issue with most. Of, Graham Harrell, you mentioned earlier, uh, somebody brought was that you brought it yes. up, Bob? So he's not going to be the offensive coordinator. There really hasn't been much movement on that. I think Mike Kafka was the yeah, other. They asked for per- that, they asked uh, for permission. I think didn't they this morning or yeah, today? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. Th- yeah, really, there hasn't been a ton of uh, development on that front, but. Uh, does Mike Kafka do anything for anybody here? Big bet, Bob. It's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like this Chiefs Eagles mar- uh, incest. Like, yes, yeah, very. It's incestuous. an incestuous. Yes, yeah. that is the word I was looking for. It's like there's an Eagles um, Midwest. Yeah, no, it's like you're stretching like, an umbilical cord from uh, Kansas City to. Look, uh, it's like one of these things where are we making what? too much of? Yeah. <laughs> You had Let's, two kids, man. You see, I'm going to be cutting another umbilical. umbilical cord in a few yeah. months here. I just like so oh, it ain't God, nothing because you've already done two of them already. Squirm, so you're going your next cord. Bob. Yeah, at some point. We'll but see. it's not the. I mean, yeah. that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, is are it? we worried about this? They need a, a breath of fresh air. They need a new voice. They need an outsider. Is that required? Is that requisite for the the new offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles? My thing is, if you're smart and you get concepts. And, and you can implement – I think that, that clearly – it goes without saying. It's all about personnel. They have to get faster. But if they do that, obviously Mike Kafka has now worked in an offense that has those explosive players. I'm sure that he could bring some insight. If he's good, he's good. I don't yeah. really care where he's from. It's true. I don't know. I mean, I think that's – yeah, I think it's more of a uh, – I'll use your favorite word here. I think the fresh perspective thing is more about defeating a, a narrative. A narrative, yes. Than anything that's really practical behind the scenes. But, again, we can't quantify that because we're not behind the scenes. We're here in a radio studio or I'm just hammering my keyboard all day long. You know, So it's hard to kind of uh, know exactly what's going on. But – uh, I don't know. I mean, we talked about it last week, but I kind of like the co-coordinators kind of thing because really the coordinators are just glorified planners, you know? I mean, and you watch some of these terrible TV shows that my wife watches on Bravo and E! where it's like Jay Cutler's wife walking around doing her business and it feels like she's got 10 people who work work with her and who are planning <laughs> planning all of her crap. It's, it's uh, very Cavallari. It's the worst one by far. Wow. But uh, so I don't think you can. I don't think you can surround yourself with it. Why not just put everybody in the in the meeting and say, "All right, what ideas do you have?" You know, I mean, I can think of certain places that I've worked, not crossing broad, but uh, a TV station that will remain unknown. But I feel like if they had taken the advice of some other people, they'd be in a different spot right now. But I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Ego. Ego gets in the way. Russ, you look that, like you have something for it. us. Uh-huh. What do you got? I think Lennox has something. So they just said Tevin Coleman could come back for Super Bowl. So who gets to start? Uh, Mostert. Yeah. Yeah. Ride the high. He's got, Coleman's got a dislocated shoulder, 
uh, he's not going to be able to Shanahan practice. Shanahan said much. he could be back for the big game, but I mean, that this could also guy be had, misdirection. Yeah, that might it? be a little bit of a yeah. just trying to keep him honest type Mostert of deal. Mostert had too. what eight touchdowns all year, and then he had four yesterday. Yeah. Good lord! Yeah. Is Kyle Shanahan proof? Uh, that nepotism works in Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. I mean, he's really good. Mike Golick Jr. had a funny tweet about that. It was something like, uh, "It might be like it might be nepotism, but uh, if you're good, you're good," or something, something like that. Of course, people yeah. on Twitter didn't know what the hell he was talking about, so they interpreted it to mean the exact opposite of exactly what he was talking about. But uh, that's all I got for the Eagles, man. What do you want to talk about? I want to talk, talk about, about the 76ers. Can we? The can we please? How Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is at center. A, he's yes. a stud without Joel Embiid. Yes. Uh, well, two road wins in a row. Wow. Yeah. It's almost, it's Don't almost let the Sixers if, get hot. Almost as if people thought the Sixers were going to be good this year. Um, Kevin, mm-hmm. Ben at center in limited spurts. It's not even really about limited spurts. It's about... How many how many teams in the NBA can you do that against effectively? Brooklyn's one of them because they're yep. small. You know they typically play small. They throw a bunch of guards at you, and you know DeAndre Jordan's out injured, and uh, you know Jared Allen's still kind of young, uh, and you got Nick Claxton, no relation to Speedy, in there. <laughs> um, you know playing so yeah so yeah playing Ben as a small ball five when Joel's out. I mean, I mean it's a short term thing that works and you know, maybe maybe with certain matchups go you can you can do it in spurts. But yeah, it's not su- not sustainable so, when Joel comes back. So mm-hmm. let's look at the current playoff 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 teams. Uh, Milwaukee, you could run it in a Giannis versus Ben heads up shooter four shooters around. There's not enough rim protection there. You can have Ben defend Giannis. Wait a second. What? You want to you want to compare the current lineup? I'm saying against in a playoff matchup. No, no, I'm saying situations where you could theoretically run this lineup and not get and why, not get run off the but floor. But why would you? I'm saying not you play the best player on your team. No, this is why we're saying limited spurts. I know this is difficult. For yeah, me. but Giannis, you went out. That's why there, you went out and got there, Horford. There too, are you there are times him. when obviously Joel Embiid's not going to be in the game, and so you're trying to figure out how do you maximize Ben Simmons' ability with Embiid off the floor. It's to get them in as many open court sets as possible. It's to go back to the kind of system that you saw them run where they rattled off double-digit wins without Joel Embiid the year that Markel Fultz decided to drive the most devastating shoulder to a big uh, face uh, up until Connor Since McGregor. Connor McGregor, right. Um, Do you think Connor studied the tape of Markel Fultz? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> So Rooney's going to come out for his next fight with the uh, Phantom of the Opera mask on. (laughs) You mark my words. That's all fine and and good, Russ. But (laughs) in order to do that, you really need a point guard, especially in the playoffs. Derrick Rose? Oh. Uh, Well, they had to, I mean, to that point, yeah, they had Howell Neto playing as point guard with Furkan Cork. What does he do well? Who's this? Has a pulse. Raul Neto dribbles the ball. What, what, What is the... I mean, he's just he's just kind of steady. Yeah, I mean, he's like uh, he's he's not any worse or any better than T.J. McConnell. I think they just think he's a steady hand who can kind of like run an offense right. and handle the ball. So, are you are you comfortable with that being your lineup against Milwaukee in a playoff series for fifteen minutes a night? No, I'm trying to think of who else in the East is kind of small. I mean, you're not really going to do that Miami, against the uh, Pacers. Miami, you could run it, but if the question is, the floor, if, yeah, yeah, that's 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 your floor. only. 
You can't do it against Toronto. There's you, practic- you could might be able to do it against the Celtics if uh, you like Ben, if against uh, like Daniel Cantor. Tice. I'm yeah. and Ennis Cantor, yeah. He's I mean, got the speed on both of those guys. But Brooklyn, I mean, specifically, like, remember the playoff series, they, they just pounded them with size, and it was like one of those things that worked. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't want people to get too bent out of shape about Ben Simmons playing at the five because it's just the Nets are a very specific, like, guard-heavy kind of matchup for him. If when, you do a reset of, of this logjam of the Eastern Conference right now, all things, if I mean, everyone's kind of in there like a game, half a game apart. I think like two through six. Yeah. Where do you see them finishing? Like, are they better than the competition here, or are they are they headed for a five or six seed, especially with Embiid's prolonged absence? And and beyond that, the, I guess the more important question is, how much does it really matter? I mean, does this team need to finish second or third in order to make the run that people expect them to make? Or, I mean, uh, I mean, to answer the question. They could easily finish second still. I mean, I think they probably finished third again. I see like 51 wins again. You know, it's kind of where they're trending. But I mean, the reason the glass was always half full, at least in, in the way I look at it, is because they've beaten every team above them. You know, they beat Milwaukee, they beat Miami, they beat Toronto, they beat Indy. I know they lost twice to Miami, I know they lost twice to Indy. But the point, I mean, not long ago, they couldn't beat Boston at all. And people are like, oh, this is like a boogeyman team or whatever. They can't beat them at all. They, they, they have. There's no team that's in the East right now where you look at them and you're like, well, the Sixers have no chance against. They're them, only you know? a game and a half out of the yeah, two spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the problem uh, is like, you do, do you really want to go to Miami in round two? Like that's a explain that to me. Explain Miami being eighteen and one at home this season. I mean. James Butler is the real adult, <laughs> the in, the adult room. in the room. I don't know, man. I, I, I did not see that happening. I, but, I, again, I look at Miami, and I'm like, you know, a healthy Sixers team just has more size against them. Bam Adebayo doesn't have the experience to, to play against Joel Embiid and a, a okay Al Horford in the playoffs. Like, it, the problem is that there, it was games like this one that they just won and games like Saturday night that they just won. They, could, they couldn't stack wins against crappy teams. So, I mean, but I, I never, to me, I never had any questions about their ability to compete with the best teams in the East. So, so let's, let's, go, let's go up and down what's remaining for these teams. This is why the Sixers probably end up as a two or three seed in the conference, given all the issues they've still had um, and some of the matchups they still have remaining. They've played, I think, the, the top or the second hardest strength of schedule against so far this season. They have the 24th... Uh, strongest schedule remaining so they're they they're going up against teams with a combined win percentage of 48.3 percent their three toughest games probably are three against milwaukee they've got two against the lakers and one against the clippers saturday against the lakers yeah they still get to play the hawks three times they still get to play the warriors twice question obviously is going to be is clay thompson going to try to come back by the time they play. They get Chicago. And they also have the Knicks. So you look at it, that win percentage right now, that puts the Sixers in a really good spot, assuming that they're able to get up for some of these games against bad teams, which that's been their problem. And actually, it's like a thing that, that we've seen on the flyer side of things as well, is these teams have this innate ability to somehow go and, and go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league, the best teams in the conference, but then you get caught in a trap game. And neither team... Neither of our Philadelphia teams have done a good job of beating bad teams consistently. Yeah, and and, and like look look at the rest of the the teams in the conference. Milwaukee, I mean, it's not like it's a huge jump, but the teams they have remaining have got thirty eight games remaining. It's over a fifty percent win percentage. They still have Denver twice. They've got the Lakers. They've got the Heat. It's not like Milwaukee's going to come back to the pack, but like there there are teams that are ahead. Like Boston has the eighth worst strength of schedule remaining. 
They've still got a lot of tough matchups ahead of them. And when when everything kind of balances itself out, by the time we get to the end of the season, this Sixers team should be no worse than third. Can they get second? They should. I think like by the time yeah. everything to kind Bob's, of To answer works Bob out, questions, I don't I don't think it matters where they I, I mean, I think they're built for the playoffs. And I think they have a lot more experience in most of these teams in the playoffs. So I think they'll be okay otherwise. I just want to touch because what we got like nine minutes left here. Um Russ, you watch McGregor versus Cowboy? I did. You guys watch it? I saw it on YouTube saw after on YouTube. the fact. Yeah, I saw the highlights. I mean, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, than the actual event. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised it was as quick as it was. Cowboy's like a notoriously slow starter anyway, but he's like a veteran. He's old, you know. He, the guys that he's faced who are on McGregor's level, he's always struggled with. You know, he racked up a lot of his wins against like middle level kind of guys. But um, I, I thought Connor looked really good at 170. Like I would honestly rather see him. I, I know they want to do the Khabib rematch, but uh, you know. Um, I would rather see him fight Jorge Masvidal, you know, two of the hottest fighters in the world right now. Both guys would be able to sell the hell out of that fight. It'd be a big moneymaker. You could do a pay-per-view in a non-title fight. You know, you could do the Khabib fight later if you really want to. But, you know, Eddie Alvarez, I was talking to him because he was down at the Sixers game a couple weeks ago, and he talked to some of the um, reporters at halftime. He was just like, I don't like what UFC is doing, how they're just skipping these guys and making up these big money fights that are going to do numbers when people really haven't, like, fought enough or, like, rose high enough in the rankings to justify it. You know, it'd be like giving, like, guy wins two fights and then he gets Mike Tyson right away. You know, like, I don't think that's the way to do it, but it's intriguing to see him back. You guys did the Philly feud, huh? I don't care who I fight, <laughs> Kevin. I don't care. You don't care who don't you Don't care who I fight. How did you guys do on the Philly feud? You won. You beat branded sports. Yeah. We won't say who in Philadelphia from our sister station over at 97.5 uh, installed us as 500 underdogs. Uh, plus 500 underdogs, yeah. I, didn't, I, I fed didn't. off of that, really. On the whole car ride over to Chester, I just thought about the disrespect. I was looking for that bet, but nobody was offering it. It fueled me. They weren't offering it at the book. <laughs> no, they at, weren't offering at it. Harris, uh, you guys did a good job, though. Yeah, you defeated branded sports uh, by, however, 30, 30, 30 eight, points 20, or 30. I was no, really excited fairness, to get we actually did questions. Get, we did that's, get eight questions right in the final round. They only gave us credit for seven. It's fine. Right. Yeah, Not a big right. deal, but it was actually a bigger uh, disparity than it should have been. I have to say... Bob was an MVP in that lightning round, getting those questions correct. Yeah, I was not happy with my performance up until the lightning round. But well, you know, the, the Phillies the chips were the, on the table. The Phillies home run thing. Yeah. What was it? Del Ennis. Yeah, Del Ennis. That haunted me. Would you have had that? Yes. Del Ennis, third most homers in Phillies. Anthony's yes. going to tell you he would have gotten everything right. No, come on. I, that's like my wheelhouse, man. Baseball yeah. statistics? Come on. It just escaped. Zero, I, you know what I said? I we, we knocked off like the first few. I went with Dickie Allen, and, and that was... Nah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I would have known Del Ennis before I knew some of the Flyers questions. Mm. Well, because that wasn't, that wasn't based on anything. That was just like which some random, would you some like random subset back, of fans that apparently... Yeah. yeah, like which one would you want back? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, uh, Norm Sneed... Yeah, Norm Sneed. Yeah, I, that was a tough one. Yeah, that I said Van Brocklin. I got a Norm. I should just said Norm. I know who Norm Sneed is, but I don't know if I would have... I would not pull like that it. one out. All right, I'm going to give you the Mount Rushmore, but first, any thoughts on Harold Carmichael getting into the Hall? Of Fame? Finally deserved. About time. Yeah, he deserved it over Drew Pearson. That's I mean, for sure. He was he was the what leading, a baby. He was that's the leading really receiver in the NFL. At he deserves it over Drew Brees. How do you film that? How does how does Drew Pearson's person publish that? I would imagine that. Yeah, mal, I mean, how does that see the light of day? I, I guess the Cowboys or somebody that he's friendly with told him, "Hey, listen, there's a pretty good shot that this is going to happen." I mean, have you ever seen a Maybe less gracious? Like he just seemed like a baby yeah and i get being frustrated and that's fine to be frustrated but to knowing that you had a camera on you to to pull that i don't know that that helps his call i like the cower and jimmy johnson videos did anybody feel sympathy for him watching that video like i i honestly didn't 
No, I mean, if he hadn't slapped the table and, like, looked the way he did after it, if he had just, like, sat there and looked disappointed, maybe I'd feel bad for him. But it seemed, like, petulant. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. I have one baseball thing I want to throw at Bob. The Atlanta Braves went out today and signed Felix Hernandez to a one-year minor league deal invite this spring training. How come the Phillies don't go out and get a guy like that and take a chance? Well, I'll tell you this. I, uh, I would like some rotational depth something that the Phillies do not have. Right. And I would have also told you, if you asked me last night, what do I think about Felix Hernandez, I would have said he's done, 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 done. However, because the Braves signed him, he'll probably actually be decent. And, uh, you know, hey. Minor league deal. I'm ready to talk about the Phillies. I know that this is not the form or the time, but, man, Anthony, I am ready for I think we need to do another crossed up. Yeah, I am ready. All right, right, thank you, everybody, for listening to Institutional Arrogance with Rush (laughs) Joy and Alex (laughs) Jones. We're going to wrap it up uh, with the Mount Rushmore. I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore of coaches who used to coach in Philadelphia who you would like to see succeed elsewhere. Number one, of course, is Big Red, Andy Reid, as mm-hmm. we talked about at the beginning of the program. Uh, number two, I'm going to give you Sean McDermott. Okay. I'm going to give you Sean McDermott because okay. I feel like he was kind of like scapegoated when he was kind of yeah, he's shoved, a, yeah. shoved he's out a pretty there good coach. at the end. And he's coaching a, yeah. a playoff team this year. Um, number three, I'll give you Peter Laviolette. Okay. I'd like to see Lavi win a win a title. Something he's not. Was he the jam he guy? Got fired he by yeah. Yeah. Let's get jam. some jam in here. Uh, yeah. I would like to see him get some jam. Uh, I mean, he won a title before Cup. he was here. That's true, but I like I just I just liked him for some reason. Here. Yeah, um, oh, he was a good guy. He's good. Number coach. four, I couldn't really think of anybody. I said uh, Russ would only end with this is a, a, a niche uh, hey, choice. Hey. But I said John Hackworth of the Philadelphia Union. That's fine. He was here for a year and he got scapegoated too, similarly to Sean McDermott. But uh, why don't we just end it with? Your boy Gabe Kapler yeah. under consideration. Hey, you know what? There's, what about, there's a huge what about Frank Reich for Bob? Huge name. Yo, huge name. Yeah. John Frank B. Filippo. Juan Castillo. <laughs> no. Hello. Now, Castillo. The, one, Hello. The, the one I would have put ahead of Lavi, uh, and he did win last year, is Craig, Craig Ruby. Well, yeah, right. So that's Chief. why I removed him. I, yeah. I think, yeah, the reason I went with Lavi because he didn't, you know, I know hasn't he won, won, won since. one prior. But yeah, yeah. yeah, what is Juan Castillo doing now, by the way? He is the offensive, offensive <laughs> line coach for the Chicago Bears. Good for him. There you go. Well, uh, you uh, know there's an Eagles connection there, too, with uh, Nagy and uh, Reed and, and the Filippo umbilical now. cord. Speaking of connections, DeFilippo. people should come out on uh, January 31st. We're going to be doing a live show at an Odd Logic Brewing Company in Bristol, PA, 500 Bristol Pike. We'll be doing a. Uh, well, it's going to be the Press Road Show. It's a Flyers-Penguins. It's going to be the first game that the Flyers have after the All-Star break and the uh, um, the bye week that's imposed by the league. So we're going to be out at Odd Logic Brewing Company at 6 p.m. on January 31st for a live show watch party of Flyers-Penguins. I'm guessing that uh, you know some of you guys here from Crossing Broadcast might even make an appearance out there. In Bristol, PA. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get hammered. I'm just gonna stand in front of the table the whole time <laughs> and ask you guys questions in between. Just be really we'll in. be back next week here on Crossing Broadcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, and thanks, Lennox. Yeah. <laughs>